Hey everybody, welcome back to another Photog Adventures podcast. I'm Aaron King. I'm Brendan Porter. With families and day jobs, we know it's hard to find time to get out there with your camera. So Brendan and I joined together and made the commitment to go out consistently and build up our landscape and astrophotography portfolios. We live in Utah and are lucky to have so many beautiful landscapes all around us. Not only do we have five national parks right here in Utah, but we are only a day or less drive away from 30 other national parks. So we created PhotogAdventures.com, this podcast, and our YouTube channel to chronicle our adventures. Come along with us to amazing places and learn from our mistakes and our successes. We hope that you will get out there too and have a photog adventure of your own. It's episode 19, and today I want to talk about a contest so that you can earn that Royce Bear ebook that I talked about last episode. The way we want to do this is we really want some iTunes reviews. We have six right now. Let's get some more. Let's help us find some more audience through this contest. And so if you guys out there listening right now, go to iTunes, put a review and a rating up there. Take a screenshot of one that you've done and send it in to us. Go to our Photog Adventures listeners group, post the picture there, let us know who you are and what you've rated, and then of the people who actually do it, we are going to reward you with the ebook. Now, not everyone's going to get it. It's going to be a random pick from those who have done it. So if we get two people, 50% chance. If we so get, you want them to screen capture the review? I want them to do the review. And post it on the Facebook listeners group? Screen capture that, okay. hey, this is my review. Okay. I know the six ones that are already out there. Right. And so from you guys who are already out there, those six, I am going to randomly pick one of you to give you an ebook. Those of you who uh, haven't rated us okay. already, you guys get in there, rate us, and then we're going to have that captured and go forward with a random pick of those who do it and actually submit to us the capture so that we know who to give it to. And then I'll email you your copy of the Royce Bears Milky Way Nightscapes ebook. We don't believe in legal jargon, so. There's no legal nothing. Just no, just nothing. sign up and we'll give you something. It does require you to actually <laughs> contact us through our Photog Adventures listeners group. And so if you don't have a Facebook, that might be the only challenge. But if you have a well, Facebook, we need iTunes and Facebook. Yeah. Don't even pretend you don't have them, guys, because we know you do. So <laughs> Those of you on Android listening on Stitcher or maybe even on the Google Play Market, still go to iTunes. iTunes is where it's at with podcasts, unfortunately. That's where you're going to yeah, get your biggest is, audience. Yeah, the biggest and so repository, I guess. So that's really where we need the most help. So thank you guys for doing what you've already done so far. Get out there, post that, and then let us know about it. If you actually don't feel comfortable sending us on Facebook or you just want to send a direct email to us, you can email us at info at photogadventures.com, and we'll be able to see it there too. So that way we have an email to send you back, and we can see that you posted, and we'll include you in the randomizer, and then we'll send it to the winner. And we'll announce okay. the winner when we do the podcast next week. So right. you have one week to do this. Go. Awesome. So let's go ahead and get going with episode 19. So today we are interviewing Nathan St. Andre. It's more of a hangout. We're going to hang We're out hanging with out with him. I guess I'll start off by asking you um, kind of your background. How did you get into photography? I got into photography probably as most um, photographers do. Uh, they started hiking and then they wanted to take better pictures than what they were doing. I mm. used to run a uh, photography website called Southern Utah Hiking which has now become my Instagram tag. But uh, I ran Southern Utah hiking for a few years, and as I was getting more and more into that, I was getting more and more into photography. Cool. With your Instagram tag, what was it again? Southern Utah hiking? Yep. All right, so you guys can go out there and follow Nathan St. Andre at Southern Utah hiking. 
So I was talking to everyone on the Photog Adventures listeners group today saying that we want to share people's Photog Adventure. Brendan always says, we hope you have a Photog Adventure of your own. And in order to encourage others to keep looking for opportunities to go on Photog Adventures of their own, we wanted to feature listeners' Photog Adventures. So if you have a Photog Adventure out there that you went on recently, send us an email, send us a message on our Photog Adventures listeners group, and we will feature it. And Jeff Harmon responded, if you are listening to Photo Taco already, then you are smart. If you haven't gotten into Photo Taco and you want to listen to a great podcast that teaches you priceless information from a tech guru and a really awesome guy, listen to Jeff Harmon on Photo Taco. That's a fantastic show. So Jeff Harmon said he went down to Zion, and maybe it's not something everyone knows, but there was recently a 200-ton rock slide that happened in Zion National Park, and it actually blocked off access to the place. So he had only one afternoon on a family trip to go and take a look around Zion, and then he couldn't get anyone, he couldn't get into the park. Wait, so the, this was recent? Yeah, just a month ago or so. Oh, wow. Just a few Do, weeks, actually. Okay, even wow. less. A few weeks ago. Wow. So he had this opportunity. Okay, a quick afternoon. I'm going to go into Zion, and then they wouldn't let anyone in the park because of the rock slide. So that day and the day after, it was blocked before they could actually clear it. It was one of the main roads then? It was right after uh, Weeping Wow. So with those rocks on the road blocking passageway and they had to clear it out, they were hanging it so no one could go in. And and Jeff Harmon had his Photuck adventure blocked by nature. I mean, we're talking mm. about... Recently, the Sentinel went down in Bryce Canyon. Here's some other rocks that came down in Zion. I mean, I've always driven past roads that had those avalanche warning signs, right. but I've never seen a rock slide. I've never seen one happen. You don't want to be near it when it does happen. That's for sure. As a kid, I didn't care. I just thought it'd be cool to see it happen, not thinking about the danger I'd be in. <laughs> I, when I was there, there in the Narrows on the way out, they had a huge chunk of ice come down the wall with this bang, huge crashing boom, and it came crashing down with a big explosion of ice and snow everywhere that was pretty exciting wow did you see it or just hear it it happened about 30 seconds behind us holy cow so you could have been in it (laughs) oh yeah Holy That's cow. nuts. So, so Jeff shares a picture where he's actually gone in and he's done a sky replacement. Can you see this, Nathan? Yep. It's at his website, jsharmanphotos.com. And he's taken the Canyon Overlook, the famous one where you can see that windy S curvy road from the Canyon Overlook, and then taken Harriman Sunrise. Wow. And he's blended the two. I believe it was a sunrise, but it could have been a sunset. But it's a sunrise sunset that's a really pink, salmon y colored sky that he has done a sky replacement on over the Canyon canyon overlook to blend it oh yeah it does and man the color is complimentary i mean it's interesting so jeff goes on to say he had his kids with them and they only had a few minutes to capture the incredible scene so he didn't really get out the tripod he just did a handheld shot and he fired off 34 shots to get a panorama oh man so this shot we're looking at is a 34 shot panorama that he handheld i mean i'm impressed already by the sky replacement but that is fantastic handheld and holding yeah, work. Really cool. Awesome yeah. pulled together. He says that his settings were, he used his lens, his Tokina 2470 f2.8 lens. He was using at the time his Canon 7D Mark II and then kept the focal length in the 24 to 70 at 70 millimeter, shutter speed 1 320th of a second. And then he had f18, ISO 1600. And with that, he could handhold and do all of that. And it Whoa, was- Oh, wow. That's crazy settings, actually. <laughs> 
When he worked on post-processing, he merged the 34 shots into a single panel using Photoshop because Lightroom and Microsoft Image... Oh, Lightroom and Microsoft Image to a composition editor actually failed to stitch them together. So he had to do all 34 manually in Photoshop. That's nuts. That's so much more work. And then he used the colors that were in the sky to dodge and burn the highlights and shadows of the rock formation. So that's why the rock is matching the colors so well because he actually... Yeah, he actually dodged and burned that in there. Now, Jeff, thanks for wow. sharing this photog adventure that you went on. I love how it was one of those situations where you're out with the family and that you'd only had a few seconds or an afternoon really to go out and enjoy a place like Zion National Park and you got in there despite the rock slide. Thank you, Jeff, for submitting yeah, yours today. If you guys are out there and you want to share your photog adventure, if you do email us or send in the information on our photog adventures listeners group on Facebook, do what Jeff did. I love how he included the information of the shot and we'll put it on our Instagram post and point back to your Instagram and hopefully get you some more likes and views over there. So before we go into any more questions about photography and Nathan, where he's been and where he loves going out with his camera, let's go ahead and take our first break and then we'll come back and talk about, he's a landscape photographer, but where's his favorite place to go or the things that he loves to capture. And then this episode, we wanted to talk a lot about winter photography and what to do in it and where are some of the ideas that Nathan has, places that he's gone that he likes to go in the winter when we're stuck, you know, in this time period where it's away from our prime time of the year. My guess is he wants to go further south. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. That's what I want to do. <laughs> so let's go ahead and have that break, and we'll come right back. All right. Welcome back to the Photog Adventures podcast. We're talking with Nathan St. Andre. He's a Utah photographer. He's a listener, and he likes to go out on Photog Adventures all the time in southern Utah. And so I really want to know, Nathan, where do you go? I mean, in your situation, living down in hurricane, hurricane, depending on who you ask, where do you love to go out to do your photography, and what kind of a challenge is it? Is it something that's right in your backyard, or are we talking that you drive an hour every time you go out for photography? So my backyard, um, unlike most people, my backyard is Zion. National Park. Oh gosh, oh, nice. um, I can see I can see the West Temple from my back window. Oh <laughs> really? Uh-huh. And so if I'm wanting to go someplace, and especially if it's last minute, I go. I don't go into the park because my National Park pass expired. But I go usually around the outside of it, mm. and that's where I go, kind of on the spur of the moment. So I have places like Gooseberry Mesa that I try to photograph regularly. Um, there's some places down in St. George that I pop around occasionally. And then I actually try to do my best to constantly pay attention to weather and plan trips. And so if I'm going to go into Zion, I'm going to leave at 6 o'clock in the morning so I can get there before the gates open. Because all national parks, if you're there before um, the attendees show up, they're free to enter. So you get Um, in there before that time they open up the gate. officially nighttime. On your way out, they don't check anything, so you're fine. Yeah, there's just no one there. And so if you go to Bryce, for example, if you show up at the at the park before seven o'clock in the morning, they have a little sign that says, hey, welcome to the park. It's open and free to enter. <laughs> so that's There's the best tip. tip right there. <laughs> There's our tip. Awesome. <laughs> you were talking to, with me earlier about some locations that you like to go in the winter. I mean, we all have that situation right now in the winter. Not all of us can be as lucky as you and be really close distance to Bryce and Zion and other awesome locations. But where do you like to go in the winter to get away from it? What I have been trying to do lately is to get into water mm-hmm. because no one goes into the water during winter. And so I have a pair of waders that I use oh, to get myself into like the narrows. Yeah. And so I'm, I don't need an expensive dry suit to do this. I just 
line up myself up with a good pair of waders and just go. So when you talk about getting into water, you said you went to the Narrows just recently. At this time of year, January, are the Narrows under any icy conditions or just snow on the snow banks at all? Or do we really have too much warmth down in southern Utah to get that? Oh, it's impressive. How well do you know the Narrows? I've only been through them once myself, and it's been in the summer, so I don't know what happens in the winter down there. Okay, so when you first get into the Narrows, you walk along within a few minutes you're at what is like a little waterfall coming in on the right side of the canyon that waterfall is mystery canyon and that whole side there turns into a giant sheet of ice with icicles coming down all across it awesome and then as you go farther up some of the snow runoff comes off the top and comes down in little tiny trickling waterfalls and produces huge ice structures along the the sides of the and then our final spot that we got to had a giant um, kind of ice waterfall castle that came all the way down to the bottom. And it was so amazing. That's a recent photog adventure that you had just a couple days ago. Monday. Monday. Did you post any of those pictures on Instagram? I have one photo I posted tonight. I don't have any of my ice structures up there yet. That's the hardest part is coming back from your trip and making sure you get things processed. I mean, you want to do it right. And so you don't just Mm -hmm. rush job of processing. So I completely get that. When you're in the narrows and you're taking photography, is it mostly icicles and water that is fantastic? Or do you get some of the red rock lighting if you have the right sky? Right now in the winter for doing photos in in the narrow. So we started at seven in the morning and went up there. The best lighting showed up just before lunch mm. and right around lunch time. And so you're going to get a lot of glow right around that time. Mm. It's just because the sun's high enough in the sky? Yeah, because what happens when you're when you're photographing deep canyons like that, you don't really want to work with direct sunlight. You want to work with reflected light. And so you want somewhere where the light is bouncing off the cliff wall and lighting up around the corner, and then you're in the shade, oh. and you're looking... Uh, into where the the reflected glow is happening on the walls. And that's how you get the nice glowing um, look within canyons. Oh, that's really good advice. Yeah. Because I remember watching Thomas Heaton's video. He said he wanted to get that special glow that he's heard about in the Narrows, but he wasn't sure at all where and when he needs to be. And so does it go here at this time, at that time? He didn't have that prepared beforehand. Ah, we didn't have this information for him before <laughs> he went out there. Easy way of putting it if you want to see that Zion narrows glow. Probably where the sun is starting to hit um, the upper two-thirds of the canyon is when you're going to start seeing that. So whatever time of day or time of year that is that starts accomplishing that, okay. that's when you're going to get it. Okay. Awesome. Okay. Sweet. You mentioned to me a couple other locations that you like to go in the winter. In a couple of months, you were heading where again? I'm going to try to hit up um, Antelope Canyon before the, the rates go up. So that's up there in the list of places to go. I'm going to go back to Escalante here. I went in December and got defeated by ice. But <laughs> oh. I'm going to go back and reconquer um, Zebra Canyon. And so I'm going to go back out to Escalante and go hit up the Slot Canyons. Nice. How much effort of it, is it to hike through that area in the winter? Do you, you said you don't have snowshoes, so you don't need that, but do you need crampons? Now, what you're dealing with out there, besides kind of a crappy road, a hole in the rock road <laughs> is a notorious car killer. Oh. Uh, I took my old car out there, and I destroyed the entire suspension system, and it was a $2,400 car repair. Oh, wow. And then the other thing is trying to find locations. It's not really well marked. And so I have a map that has all the slot canes of, in the entire United States, And I go through and I try to find canyons 
and then I research those canyons to see if they're safe to go in at all or if they're accessible during winter or if they're dry, not dry. And so that's how I start planning that trip. Mm. So on your map, you look and see, okay, here's a canyon, here's a canyon, here's a canyon. And then you research each individual canyon to find out what some of the challenges are and where they are and whether they're open in the winter. I was going to go on my last trip in December. We were, I was thinking about going to, to the Egypt Canyon. So there's Egypt 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5. So Egypt 1 sounded cool. Egypt 2 started with a 300-foot rappel. Whoa. So I wasn't going to be doing that one. Um, Egypt three was another one, but it sounded like it had potholes and so potential swimming. And then Egypt four and five are X-rated canyons. So they're stemming. So you're holding yourself up 40 and 50 feet off the ground for hours at a time, um, with potential falling into death traps. Now, I think I've heard the term stemming before, but I believe the term stemming means that you have your feet on one side of the wall and your hands on the other, or you split, you know, spread Eagle. Depends. (laughs) just require whatever the terrain requires you go for it yeah so i i'm not um technically skilled to go up to that level and i don't know if i want to do those because uh they sound more challenging than fun and then they also don't sound all that photogenic right because you're 40 50 feet off the ground and you're trying to set up a tripod doesn't sound really um conducive for Majestic photos. Oh, right. Yeah. Exactly. So there's a difference between a technical rock and a photographical rock. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that's one of the things with slot canes. I hear people, if they're hearing this and they're like, oh, let's go find this map and go do slot canes. You really have to do your research because they'll kill you. Yeah. Literally kill you. Mm-hmm. They'll literally kill you. And they change frequently due to just things getting stuck in there, debris, um, pools of water forming and disappearing. And so you kind of have to be prepared in some fashion to deal with that. Have you found a good resource that gives you really good up-to-date information on the Slot Canyon water levels, dangers, and the road conditions? Or do you have to go to multiple different places and then aggregate all that information together? Um, Multiple different locations. A lot of them, there's a lot of really good websites out there. All you have to do is type in the canyon name and you'll find okay. the websites. Um, they're pretty easy to find. Um, not all canyons are um, well documented. The harder the canyon and the more technical the canyon is, the less information there is mm-hmm. on it. So in a, in a way, if you're looking up a canyon and you can't find too much information on it, it's kind of a sign that, it's hey, not safe. it's a giveaway that maybe this is a little more technical. Yeah. So when you say you're going out there, you've used we a lot. Do you always make sure you go with a group or at least one other person? Or have you ever gone alone? I am in general terrified of going into the wilderness by myself. That's a smart Which move. Which is strange for a landscape photographer. That's <laughs> uh, <laughs> true. There's crazy landscape photographers. Like a quick story is Aaron Bobnick went out to a location. She went to a spot she really couldn't wait to get out to. She got there and found there was someone else camping. And she was so disappointed that someone else was also out here. She didn't expect to see anyone for, for hours. And mm-hmm. that one person who was out there was playing music crazy loud all night long. And she was, it was making her mad. And the next day she found him and as a guy that she recognized, David Kingham, and it was his birthday. <laughs> and so he was celebrating his birthday, playing music loud and had no idea that anyone else was around there. And so, yeah, there's two landscape photographers who I respect who completely go out in these locations that are hour drives from any you know civilization. They do it entirely alone. Mm. And yeah, I'm, I'm impressed and also not sure if I could do it. Yeah, there, there are too many stories where people like, I shouldn't be alive stories where they went out there and... <laughs> broke their ankle and have to drag themselves out and out in the desert deserts are so unforgiving Mm. and so 
I don't want to be out there and do a 127 hour moment and have a rock wall pin my arm and have to cut my own arm off to get out. Right. <laughs> right. I always try to make sure someone knows where I'm going and I usually try to bring somebody along. That's fantastic advice. Let's go ahead and move on to our last break of the podcast. Talking with Nathan has been fantastic and we want to continue that right into gear time and tip of the week. So we're going to do something different this time with a guest where we actually have their tip, their advice, as well as a piece of gear that they use, commonly use, that they enjoy, that they would recommend, and we'll use that for the end of the show. Hey guys, welcome to Gear Time this week, and uh, we're going to be talking with Nathan St. Andre about his gear and what he likes to use. So Nathan, tell us more about your setup and how you roll with things when you go If I had kind of one uh, piece of uh, gear that I feel like most people should have as photographers, I would say Mm -hmm. they're waders, um, like your, your fly fishing breathable waders. I keep running to people who are talking to people who do a lot of photography and like the guy like nick page always talks about um like the big neoprene socks and uh Mm, that nrs boundary sock yeah so he has that set up you know that works fine but it doesn't go above the knee um and so i would i would highly recommend a pair of waders um and then this is where i'm going to throw my biology spin on things get a pair of boots that are not the foam bottom ones because the the foam bottom ones are really good at moving around invasive species and so the oh, the, the really? plastic bottom ones um don't do such a good job at that and so you get yourself a pair of boots like that i unfortunately don't have those so i bleach my boots after trips and wow. so that's so you want how, the rubber you want the rubbery plasticky bottoms right yep. they design them so they grip on rocks still um but yeah, that's that's what I would recommend. So get a pair of waders because then you can go up to chest deep in water. You can go into rivers yeah. and then kind of what you can do, you can layer appropriately and you can go out in the winter into water and you can go into the ocean. You can do just about anything with those as long as you're not swimming. Cool. <laughs> that's an interesting tip. So the waders themselves, you're saying you go with the rubber, not the foamy bottom. On our regular hiking shoes, do you worry about getting a nice hard r- plastic instead of the foam or is it not as concerning on the hiking shoe because you're not in the water uh so during the summer i don't care i wear a saucony um trail runner shoe i use trail Mm -hmm. runner shoes for everything i do and so i have my pair of shoes i go through a pair of shoes about every six months wow yeah i kill my (laughs) shoes my toes are starting to stick out of my ones i'm wearing right now Uh, (laughs) you went through the narrows with those no well i've done it before uh, oh, I see. But not this time. No, the narrows I did in waders and I had my waiter boots on. And then, uh, but when it's the rest of the year, and especially now since I work in the water, for me to go in the water during the summer, it doesn't bother me a bit anymore. Cool. I just walk in into it. It doesn't matter what I'm wearing. So with the waders, do you just take your shoes off and put the waders on? Or do you, are there certain waders where you can just leave your hiking boots on and just add them to what you're already wearing? So waders, so there's a couple different design for waders. You have neoprene waders, which are thick, and they have some that have boots built into the bottom of them, mm-hmm. uh, bottom, okay. bottom of them. But I don't like those ones because they have no insulation, and so your feet get really cold, especially in cold water. And mm. so I don't like those ones. Uh, and so you could get the ones that just have like a neoprene sock and then you have a shoe that you put on. You can either wear your shoes that you have, but they're, it's going to be really tight and uncomfortable. 
um, or you get a pair of waiter boots that go with it. And so that's kind of how you do your setup. I prefer the breathables because they're not nearly as hot to walk around in. So you're breathable waiters. So they're thinner, they're lighter, and but they're colder, mind you. Mm. So when you go out into colder water, you have to layer more underneath them. Okay. But you stay dry. So as long as you keep those, okay. Right, right. Cool. Is there a brand of waiter that we need to start looking at? Or is it just anything you can find for your price range? Just focus on the price range. All right. Cool. That's perfect because I was just looking at waiters like last week thinking, man, we need it. Because after going to the hot springs, it's like, man, we need to go out in the water more and we just need waiters. So it's totally on my mind. So this is perfect. Yeah. <laughs> so let's go into the tip of the week with Nathan. And I know that you work for the Division of Wildlife for the state of Utah. And we're talking about winter photography. So I was curious if you had any tips for us on winter photography and how people can get away from some of the challenges of winter photography. I think probably the, the biggest hindrance for people going on the winter is um, clothing. Yeah, uh, And so I think people probably layer wrong more than anything else. And that's, what's preventing them from being comfortable. Uh, cause I, when I go, like when I did the narrows here on Monday, I went out and I do a layer of like under armor, a fleece layer. And then I had a hoodie. And then outside of that, I just had a, uh, a little rain slicker coat thing. And with that, I can go down to temperatures as low as the twenties and teens, as long as I'm moving around. Mm. Now, when you say layer incorrectly, are you talking about the materials that they're using in their layers or maybe even in the order of how they wear their layers? So when it comes to going out into the cold, you want a, your base layer needs to be something that pulls moisture away from your body um, and kicks it away. So Under Armour, uh, mind you, I'm not, um, whatever, sponsored by these guys, but they make (laughs) darn good stuff. A base wicking layer, um, usually it's thin. And that's what moves the moisture away from your skin because when you're wet is when you get cold. Yeah. Um, cotton pills is a phrase that you hear in the outdoor industry. <laughs> and so you you ditch cotton, uh, make sure everything's synthetic. 100% synthetic because I keep ending up with poly cotton blends and I'm trying to avoid them too. I'm right to avoid them, right? Yes, avoid, avoid um, the blends. Just go with fake stuff as much as you can. And then I have like a fleece, like you can go to the stores, you can buy these little fleece jackets. Uh, when I was younger, I put on the fleece thinking it'd be warm and I was miserably cold all the time because <laughs> fleeces are never designed to be your main coat. Right. They're, They're designed to go over your base layer and then have something go over them. Mm. So the act has like a little pocket of insulation between you and the outside world. And then whatever you put over that kind of dictates how cold it is so i usually throw one more hoodie on when it gets down into the 20s and teens um with some sort of outer coat above that uh and kind of a three to four layer setup will keep you warm in most situations oh right on that as long as you're moving around that's a fantastic tip. I know that I've been thinking about a fleece layer as being my initial contact layer, but it sounds like I need to make that my second layer always. Yeah. A nice tight under armor and then my fleece layer. I was thinking it wrong, even though it was right that a fleece wicks away. It's not the good base layer. No, I. you know what? The other day I was out there, when I was out there in Escalante, I didn't have my base layer on for a little bit, and I just had that fleece on. And the fleece does not push the moisture away from your body as well as, as the as the base layer, um, wicking layer, Under Armour mm. did. And so I was experiencing um, the failure of my um, fleece in real time without the, the wicking layer. Mm. When I put the wicking layer back on with 
the the fleece, it got way better. That's kind of what I do when I go snowboarding. I usually have on like a long underwears. I think it's just polyester for my for my legs and my top, long arms. And then I put my fleece on, and then I put my snowboard jacket on, and then I'm usually like good. And it's down to like twenty degrees with wind chill going down to like sixty miles an hour on a hill. It gets really cold, and yet I'm not like super cold when I get down. Yeah, and what so I'm I think he- that works. What I'm hearing from both of you too is that it's comfortable, not just because you're dry. You're not dealing with a cumbersome amount of layers. That's what yeah, I think. it's still movable. Yeah, I find I go out like the kid in Christmas Story, who was his mom put him in a giant <laughs> s- snow outfit, and I can't put my arms down because I put on these layers to keep myself yeah. warm. But now I, I have so many different chafing opportunities. It's it's a blast. <laughs> Yeah. And so I think I need to focus on less layers, smarter layers, but just put it in the right order, and that's the key. Yeah. Tell us, Nathan, where can everyone find you online and keep in contact with you and find your work? So my most up-to-date and most frequently used piece of social media is Instagram. Um, I can be found at Southern Utah Hiking, so Southern underscore Utah underscore hiking. Uh, I do, I'm going to be doing a, a series of, uh, photos on the narrows for the next little bit. So keep track of there. I have lots of new stuff coming out. Uh, and then I use Facebook, um, look up my name, Nathan St. Andre photography. Um, St. Andre is spelled weird. Most people won't ever get that right. So S T period space, A N D R E. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's, where you find me on Facebook, and then you can find me at my website, uh, standrephotography.com, uh, S-T-A-N-D-R-E, photography.com. Or if, you, or if you're looking for a place to go on a hike, you can actually type in southernutahiking.wordpress.com, and that will actually get you that my backlog of um, hikes I've gone on over the years. Um, I just, I, it's wow. not up to date right now. I need to go back and do that, but you can go on there and find hikes from Moab to, to Zion uh, on there. So Cool, way cool. It has been a huge pleasure having you on and talking to you about everything. Thank you so much for joining us today and talking about landscape photography, especially in southern Utah, where we've gone out many times, but not enough, not yeah. hardly. Yeah. And you have a list of places that you want to go that three of those places I've never even heard of. So we need to go too. <laughs> Absolutely. So guys, I want to emphasize again, if you want to get in on that contest, go ahead and review us and rate us on iTunes and then send the proof to either info at photogadventures.com with an email or you can go to our Photog Adventures listeners group on Facebook and post it there and heck while you're at our Photog Adventures listeners group you can join us get in the conversation and I challenge the guys there to send us an adventure that they've been on we already read one today we're hoping to go ahead and talk more about them so keep sending us your Photog Adventures that you're getting out on so that we can feature them on our podcast and we appreciate you guys joining us appreciate you again Nathan thank Thank you you, so much Thank you. And everyone have a good, great week. See you guys.